Hi, guys. Welcome to episode number 62 of the Four Animals for Earth show. Today is called My Story. So I'm really hopeful that this is going to be interesting to you because it's just about my story. Uh, my friend Aki has been encouraging me to share more about my journey because so much of my life is consumed by looking for ways to make a difference for animals and for the environment. And um, I do share bits of my journey when I'm on other shows that are interviewing me. So you've probably heard some of this if you've seen those, but if you haven't, this might be all new. So uh, I'm going to just try to quickly kind of move through some of the key points in my life that have brought me to where I'm at today with this journey and um, why I'm not at home right now. I'm in a hotel in Orlando, Florida. So I will let you know why that is at the end of this episode as well. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. So uh, my journey with animals starts around the time I was three years old. My grandparents farmed and, you know, we grew up being on the farm a lot. And there was a day that the truck backed into the driveway and it came in to pick up the pigs. And as the pigs were being pushed on the truck, you know, they were crying and, um, they were being branded as they were going on. And I was just devastated. Um, I was confused. I was three. I can't believe that I remember this, <laughs> um, but it was hard. It was really, really hard. And in that moment, I was determined that I would never eat meat again. That part of my journey was interesting. I mean, growing up in a small farm town, it was not uh, an option for under my parents' minds, at least, it was not an option for me to not eat meat. So they would cut up 10 little pieces for me <laughs> every dinner. And there's funny stories of me still sitting there at like 11 o'clock at night trying to get down my pieces of meat. But, you know, um, I don't fault them for it. I mean, at the time, it was that that was the understood um, necessity for nutrition, right? It was thought that you had to eat meat to be healthy. So anyway, uh, when I was 19, I actually became a vegetarian. And that's when I was old enough to understand it and make choices on my own. And, you know, so, um, that's, that's that part of my journey, but I felt this just like deep, deep longing and desire to help those animals that were suffering. And throughout my, you know, young life, I, I, I think that I thought there was no way, I guess I didn't realize that there was anything that I could do to help them. It just seemed like it was kind of an inevitable thing. And so, um, I, you know, companion animals are something that I guess were, were a little more common for people to help. So I would go into the shelter every once in a while, but I really struggled. I felt so sad going in there. And so I just really didn't do much. And I, uh, as far as helping animals and, you know, I went through high school, went through college, became an engineer. I was working at Disney. I had this really cool job. Like I got to be brainstorming all the time and be creative and work with amazing people. And it was really, really cool, but I just kept feeling, 
feeling like this gnawing in my stomach of, but I need to be helping animals. Like this isn't the right thing. I need to be helping animals. And so I went back to school uh, while I was at Disney and I got my master's and I did my master's in engineering in an area called operations research, which is like applied mathematics. So you build models to kind of simulate real life. And then you use that to help you make decisions. And so I built a model to help animal shelters work together to utilize their resources better to help with, um, not relinquishing, um, as many dogs and cats, and then like, you know, shifting them around so that more lives would be saved. And, um, the industry, interesting enough, has moved that way, um, on its own. I mean, I don't know if data fed it or not, but you know, now the, all shelters work together and try to save as many lives as they can. So anyway, that, that takes me up until about the time I was 29, 30. Uh, and then my boyfriend at the time, well, my fiance at the time, who is my husband now, Sean got a job in Tokyo. And so we decided to move uh, to Japan and I quit my job at Disney planning to go back to school and um, he started his job in Tokyo. And so while we were in Tokyo, I was so excited, you know, because I, this is the first time I wasn't in a corporate job and I could actually go in and volunteer at the shelter. And I was like, this is going to be so cool. And so I started calling as soon as we got there and emailing and no one would return my phone calls. No one would email me back. And I was not welcomed <laughs> at any of the shelters. And over time, I started to realize why, uh, because I didn't speak Japanese and they are so incredibly busy in those shelters. And people are coming in all the time saying they want to help, but then they don't really stick around. And so it wasn't it didn't make sense for them to, to spend time inviting me in. So, um, since they didn't really let me in, I started working with friends on, um, talking about doing some fundraising and then the tsunami and the earthquake happened. And that of course rocked the lives of everyone living in Japan. Um, it was so beyond what you can even fathom, um, that, yeah, it, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, when the tsunami hit the nuclear power plant in Fukushima, uh, the Japanese government forced people to leave a 20 kilometer zone around that. And that was for their own safety. You know, it makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is they forced everyone to leave their pets and animals behind. And they gave the impression that you would be able to come back and get your pet. And then they closed off the zone and wouldn't let anybody in. And so people were forced to leave their animals um, behind. And those animals were left there, farm animals and pets, no food, no water. It's a very hot place, no human beings around and radiation leaking into um, the area. It was really awful really, really awful. And so I happened to come across a rally in May. So that happened in March. In May, there was a rally, you know, 
begging the government to let people who were willing to go in, go in and try to rescue animals. And so I became a part of that. And that was um, amazing because I met some really incredible women in Japan who were very, very passionate about helping animals like I was. And it was so cool because being a part of friendships with them and being around them led me into opportunities to make a difference. So we started fundraising and we started doing different things and um, started, I've started volunteering at the shelter. I started creating collateral, um, brochures and print material and just all this different stuff because I had been studying graphic design. And so, um, it was a really, uh, big moment, I guess, in my journey with helping animals, because it was, um, like everybody was coming together and I was really welcomed into the fold and I was really able to make a difference. Um, and then unexpectedly, my husband got transferred to California. And so we moved to Los Angeles in, um, that was about four years later. And I, uh, was, um, yeah, pretty sad, but uh, you know, it's like, um, another step on the journey, right? So trying to figure out what's next, what do I do next? And so when we got to Los Angeles, um, I got involved in a little bit of stuff. Like we would do these programs where we would read to the dogs and I started a clothing line and there's a lot more detail behind starting a children's clothing line. But when I did it, I learned a lot about the fashion industry. And that was an eye opener to me. And I was creating, um, I ended up my, my children's line kind of evolved over time and it became all about selling pieces to raise money to help animal welfare groups because I have made so many friends over the years that run these different rescues and they're always needing funding and I thought okay you know I'm going to make clothing and we're going to help them with funding through the clothing so um, I did that, but in the process of creating that line, I had a shirt that was helping whales and it was, you know, donating money to help whale rescue groups at the same time as what could have been like polluting the earth by making that t-shirt that was going to be donated. And it was just like, wait a minute, this does not all add up. And I need to be just as passionate about the environment as I am about animals. If I'm actually going to help animals because animals, you know, we are animals and non-human animals. We all desperately need the earth and the environment to survive. And if we're not focused on helping the earth, we're not actually helping anything. So, um, that was a big eye opener for me and a big learning. And so, um, I really went deep down into sustainable fashion and figuring out how I could, uh, source different clothing for my line and, um, yeah, that was a big, deep rabbit hole. And um, I ended up, I guess a big part of my story is when I got sick. So um, I was so passionate about helping animals that I was desperate to make that clothing line work. And so I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning and working before my husband and my kids woke up. And then I was working late at night and I was um, just kind of burning the candle at both ends, as they say. Um, and 
one day uh, I got sick. Um, I started running a fever and my heart was racing and I was shaking and I thought I had the flu. This was back in 2018. Um, and I thought it was just, you know, I just got to wait for the virus to pass. Well, the fever did go away, but I never stopped shaking. And then I was getting really lightheaded. And then I was getting so dizzy that I couldn't stand anymore. Like I couldn't take a shower because I couldn't stand that long. I was like constantly like down on the ground, trying not to pass out. And my heart was just racing. So I finally called a doctor because I was like, okay, it seems like it's not a virus. And it turned out there were problems with my thyroid and they didn't really know what which is a story uh, for those of you who have had thyroid problems, you've probably had the same journey where something's wrong, but they don't know what's wrong. And that was my story. Um, so there was a time where they thought it might be cancer. Um, luckily, I did not have thyroid cancer. Um, and it basically turned out to be something called Graves disease. So I have an autoimmune disease, which is called Graves disease, and your immune system basically attacks your thyroid. And um, so that's what was going on with me. And I found a functional medicine doctor. I cannot recommend enough finding a functional medicine or integrative medicine doctor. If you're in LA, my doctor is Dr. Malikian. He's incredible. Um, he actually was like, well, you know, a lot of thyroid problems come from unidentified issues such as celiac disease. So it turns out I had celiac disease, which meant that there were little holes being um, created in my intestines over time, and that leaked toxic toxicity into my body, which turned into an autoimmune disease. So uh, I'm in remission, but technically, like this is something that is is just a part of me now for the rest of my life. Um, but I drastically changed the way I ate. And so I don't eat any gluten. Um, obviously I'm still a vegetarian. I'm almost vegan. Um, I don't have caffeine, very little caffeine, very little alcohol, very little sugar. And, um, I've, I've been healthy. So I'm really, really lucky, uh, that I came out of that well. Um, but that year of 2018 was a pretty big wake up call for me because, um, I had always thought I was really healthy and I think it was the stress, um, because I am just so passionate about helping and changing the tide of what help happens to animals in our world. And so, um, that stress was just something that was really, really eating away at me. So, um, 2018 was a great opportunity for me because I ended up kind of pulling back from work a little bit. And I started volunteering at the shelter, which was so incredible. And I would work specifically with animals who were scared, like really, really scared of people and just sit with them and just give them time to get more comfortable with me. And there are other volunteers that did the same thing. And so over time, these animals would like blossom and come out of their shell and realize they were safe. And it was so cool. And, um, I also learned animal Reiki. And so I became an animal Reiki practitioner and even a teacher. And so I was able to connect with animals on a deeper energetic level like that. Um, so 2018, like really brought me a lot of opportunities through that sickness. And it really, um, was another moment that kind of changed the course of my life 
like the tsunami and like the, you know, farm when I was three. Um, so I ended up um, kind of making a few changes and that's when my brand changed from Trendy Little Sweethearts to Four Animals for Earth. And about a year and a half ago, I started the podcast. And so that's probably how you all know me now is Brandy the podcaster. And, you know, I am very involved on Clubhouse and I just love fostering conversations around what we can do, all of us, any of us to help animals and the environment within our daily lives. So so um, that brings me to present day. So there's probably a question of why I'm sitting in Orlando. So um, we are being relocated. So my husband still works for Disney and he, Disney is moving a couple thousand people from Southern California to Central Florida. So we're here this week, kind of trying to figure it all out. Um, the good news is that it looks pretty promising for us to be able to live over on the space coast. So that'll be a whole new realm of animals for me. Um, it's on the Atlantic ocean and then the Indian river and the banana river. So there's so many like wildlife areas and wildlife refuge and just all of the kind of like ocean animals, manatees and dolphins and alligators and birds. There's so many animals that I just really haven't had much experience with in my life. So that'll be kind of cool to be around all of that and see where it leads. Um, those of you who follow the podcast, you know that I'm looking for a PhD program. So, you know, I had that whole analytical background and I really miss analyzing data and I love doing research and I love doing studies. And so I'm hoping I'll find a way kind of back into that in a way to help. I discovered a field. Uh, so a quick update, you know, those of you that know I'm on this journey trying to find this, I discovered a field called anthrozoology. And it is about the study of the interaction and the relationships between human animals and non-human animals, which is like perfect for me. So um, we'll see. Hopefully I'll find my way into that. Or um, the other thing I'm kind of looking at, it's a little bit of a different realm, but sustainable sustainable tourism. I got really excited about that again last week when I interviewed Hans on the podcast. If you guys haven't heard that interview, I hope you'll go back and listen. Um, it got me really passionate again about tourism because, you know, half of my career was with Disney with tourism and tourism has quite the impact on animals. And I don't know if anyone's studying that, but it'd be really cool to study kind of that human animal interaction as it relates to tourism. So I don't know. We'll see. So I'm getting a little bit closer as I narrow in on what my future may be if I do a PhD program or a, um, a you know, something within that realm of research. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like we're going to be moving to Florida. So we don't know if it's going to be next summer or the following summer. We're kind of trying to figure that out, but I'll keep you updated as that part of my journey unfolds. Um, I hope this was interesting. I hope you learned something new about me and and yeah, I hope you didn't fall asleep and it was too boring. <laughs> if you're interested, episode 40 is an interview with my friend Maho, who is one of those amazing women who I met 
met in Japan after the tsunami. Uh, Hans's interview is last week. It's episode 60 and 61, all about sustainable tourism and what we as consumers can look for in hotels.、Uh, yeah, those are a couple of、um, episodes you could go listen to if you feel like you want to listen to something more based on what I was saying today. And、um, yes, have an absolutely wonderful week, and I'll see you next week. Okay, bye.